guys, my name is Suming. And I'm Suba. Welcome to the Safe App Podcast, a podcast where we talk all things medical aesthetics. something very exciting. We have our very first practitioner that we're advising onto our podcast, Dr. Lara Vanderlande. She works at a practice called Face Finesse in London and also in the Netherlands. I will wait for her to tell you a little bit more about her practice. But while we're waiting, we just want to let you guys know that we have actually a free guide that's available on our Instagram, on our website, and we have a landing page for it. Three things you need to know in medical aesthetics. It was written by none other than Dr. Suming. I basically cover the three main things that you need to know when considering medical aesthetic treatments. So it's about finding the right practitioner and also the different treatments that we have in medical aesthetics and also the safety in the medical aesthetic industry. But as a plus, I've also added things that would be beneficial while we are in this global pandemic situation. So feel free to download and have a read. So without further ado, we have Dr. Lara van der Vlande with us today. Welcome. Hi guys. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. And how are you feeling today? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited about this podcast. So thank you for asking me for this. Awesome. So let's just start with why don't you tell us a bit about yourself yeah sure so as you mentioned my name is Lara van der Lande and I am a medical doctor mm-hmm. aesthetic practitioner clinical fellow in oral maxillofacial surgery and I'm currently also undertaking a PhD program in craniofacial surgery yeah which is surgery for children who are born with facial deformities you're very busy women aren't you very busy yeah <laughs> how are you managing to like juggle everything yeah, so I guess, you know, well, at the moment, my PhD is my full-time thing. Yeah. And then my aesthetic, or more on the side, so it's something that I do roughly like once or two clinics a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my shifts in the hospital are in the weekends. So uh, it's not every weekend, but it's like every other weekend. So it is quite a busy life, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm managing. And the social life is just plugged in every now and then, <laughs> whenever right. you have yeah. yeah. Some people get tired of, you know, looking at my schedule, but I'm really <laughs> enjoying every part of it. So that's why. I that's the most important thing. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit more about how you got started in aesthetics and tell us about your qualifications and how you got into it. Yeah, sure. So I did my medical school in the Netherlands. So that's where I got my MD and part of the program. I own a bachelor in in, uh, medical science and a master in medical science. And then I decided on doing a PhD after. Yeah. Yeah. But along that line, I felt like also doing something that was a bit more light if I may say and, and I've always been very interested in beauty and the perception of beauty and, and the importance of beauty as well yeah on on a quality of life kind of way and then I decided to do a, a foundation training and later an advanced course for aesthetic non-surgical injectables and yeah and I and I discovered that I really enjoyed doing that so that's kind of how I how I got into it and, and combined it with the rest that I'm doing at the moment yeah that's really good so when when exactly did you get started with your practice so I, I started face finesse last year so May 2019 yeah and I did the courses and stuff before that and I had a kind of a pre-run with practicing um, before I started my business. I guess I've been in very similar positions starting out with my own business. And if I may say so, it was a little bit tricky initially because 
I was struggling with things like marketing myself as a practitioner, marketing my services. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what were some of your challenges when you were starting out? Sure. To be honest, there were many and I took them as as challenges, as in like go on an adventure kind of way, starting a business without any know-how. Yeah. But to be honest, I've been extremely lucky to be surrounded by people that helped me setting up just from like registering the business and to like building the website, yeah. teaching me on CEO and, and stuff and things I never heard about before. I was living with a person who's a project manager yeah. uh, and we spent evenings like mapping out my goals to do's and to think of and you know, like uh, basically our living room was covered by post-it. Amazing. Um, to, you know, like kind of get my business started. So. I'm extremely lucky to be surrounded by these people that, yeah. you know, like motivated me and also pushed me to pursue what I, what I had and have in mind for face fitness and, and they, they still do. But even like once the business was set, which is more like, you know, like a logistic part of things. Yeah. It surprised me a bit that it wasn't as easy as I imagined to, you know, like <laughs> I know. Client base and everything. And yeah. in the beginning I was referred to some people just by uh, word by mouth, via yeah. friends and so on. But at some point, I felt a bit stuck in, in growing a client base. And that was actually the moment that I decided to collaborate with existing and, and good running beauty and hair salons, which then could take a bit of the role on booking clients. Yeah. But also, you know, it's kind of nice to build up that kind of reviewing way that people can see if, you know, like I think patient satisfaction or client satisfaction yeah. is really important. And Definitely. Yeah. And then I kind of, you know, like discovered that you have this platform which I think is is another great way of, for clients to find me yeah. and based on the reviews, see if I would be the best match for them. Yeah. So just a quick question. I know you mentioned like your motivations and why you started your aesthetic careers. Was there any specific event in your life that you like to just mention or a reason, kind of like a turning point on why you wanted to get into aesthetics? Not really. I think so. I think as a whole, my career and drive to do better has been about like helping people and think it's more of an intrinsic and general drive to become a doctor or any doctor. Yeah, true. Um, But for me, most specifically to to do what I'm doing now and to what I have in mind for my future career is to to make people happier using my own skill set, basically. So for this, like besides my quite rewarding work that I can do, I think as a clinical fellow on the trauma ward for for the oral myofascial surgery department, but also the research that I'm undertaking, which is all quite, you know, like intense work. Yeah. Um, I was looking for something that was just a bit more kind of personal and something that I could do myself that I could would be kind of my own boss um, yeah. and so on. So I think those were the things that kind of motivated you. Yeah. Just taking ownership with what you can do with your career but also at the same time doing something where you can improve body image, confidence, yeah. the kind of exactly. body positivity that we can instill in people. Instill in people exactly. Yeah. The research that I do is, is more computer-based research trying yeah. to, to improve their, their clinical So you're care. basically missing a little bit of patient contact is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as well. And also to, to be able to kind of, you know, with your own hands, be able to make, make a difference a so happy and, yeah. and improve their quality of life by such a simple treatment really yeah it's, it's complex but it's simple at the same time yeah and just the 
the feedback that I get from these people make me very happy as well because yeah. you know they're satisfied and yeah. you can really see that it improves their lives in a way or that yeah. they reach whatever they would like to have definitely um, and I like how you mentioned that it's complex and simple which people actually don't really realize when it comes to aesthetics which then mm. brings us to safety issue within the industry so what are your kind of views on the safety within the industry in the UK I think so like safety in general safety in in medical practice and safety in aesthetics is so important it's it's key yeah, you know, yeah. as a person providing this service for especially for like healthy people I'm responsible for any adverse events, if that might happen, which, you know, like everyone should try to avoid it at any times. But at, like in terms of safe practice, I think there, there are several facets to, to think of and to look at and to consider. Yeah. So I think it starts with, you know, like the right knowledge and skill set, because it's so important to understand the anatomical structures that you're injecting, you know, yeah. the nerves that are there that are responsible for, for particular movements. Mm-hmm. And also like areas to avoid where there's blood supply or whatnot. Yeah. And so that's more part, I think, on the kind of the medical background and the, the knowledge kind of part. Yeah. Yes. But then secondly, I think the practice itself needs to be up to, you know, like a high standard. Uh, the treatment area must be hygienic. For example, I always disinfect the, the injection area, wear gloves. And, you know, at the, at the, t- at the moment, I'm not practicing, obviously. But yeah. I guess like at once... I'll be allowed to practice again. The appropriate face mask, for instance, should be implemented in in the care as well. And then lastly, which I find really, really important, I always follow up uh, on the treatments that I've done to ensure the client is happy. And also that perhaps something might have occurred that they don't consider an adverse event, but that I might consider an adverse event. Yeah. I like how you also talk about facial anatomy. When it comes to clients, I don't think users actually think about facial anatomy being one of the things that people should consider. Because when it comes to skin and like, I feel like fillers and like Botox, people don't think that there's more to it than just treating your skin. I mean, I know that some clients view it very much like just going to the hairdressers to get a haircut. They view it as almost something very similar Whereas actually, sure. medical aesthetic treatments are almost medical treatments, aren't they? So they should be taken more seriously and it, they should be performed by someone who knows what they're doing, for one, but also knows what to do when exactly. complications arises. That's how exactly. I think yeah. that's, that's I think probably that, one yeah, of the... those are really, really good points. And I think most clients, at least in my experience, they, they, they don't have any idea on, on the things that can go wrong for instance and I, I i do try to to point them out point that out not by scaring them but just to provide as much information as i feel appropriate absolutely because as part it. of the consent it's so important that they are aware yeah. of all the risks involved in all these treatments yeah and sometimes i am a bit surprised that that have been undergoing these treatments for many years they're you know, like a bit shocked with me pointing out like, well, this can happen, this can happen. Uh, most yeah. likely it's not going to happen, but you know, yeah. it's good to talk about it. And also if it happens then yeah. to explain what can be done to, to yeah. avoid it. And I think that's also something that I maybe with, with my background as well, I started to recover badly placed fillers. So yeah. if, if we'll have lip treatment done somewhere else and a filler was placed badly or inappropriately yeah. to, to dissolve that filler and to wait a bit and then try to build it up again properly. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, because that's coming to a good management plan with the client themselves can both reach a, an understanding and an agreement of what the client would like to have. So have you had a lot of people coming in with those issues or any complications that you've treated in your practice? Yeah, so fortunately, I haven't had any complications that were my own, but I have had a few that were badly placed somewhere else or that it was too much or uneven and so on. Then I used, there's a specific fluid that you can inject to dissolve the filler and then build it up again. I would say a lot of people are not aware that this can be done. And, and I think it's, it's something that's good to, you know, like make people aware of besides the risks and, and safety regulations in general, but also like if it goes wrong or if you're unhappy, there are ways to improve that again. And were these badly placed fillers as a result of what the client themselves wanted? Like, did they want fillers in those specific places or was it just they weren't given adequate information? I think so. In these cases, it, it, it was lip fillers. Yeah. And I think it's very common for a client because you pay for the service, right? And then I think there are two groups of clients, either when they're unhappy, they kind of, they don't dare to tell the practitioner that they're unhappy. Yeah. So they yeah. Kind of never mm-hmm. go back there, but, and then yeah. wait until the product has been dissolved by the body. Yeah. yeah. And then I think there's obviously the other part of people that complain, mm-hmm. uh, but like talking about the first group, I think those people should be made aware that there are ways of making whatever they've done better because you know yeah. like not everyone who's doing these treatments first of all has done a medical training second of all has had the appropriate courses done for it and a third of all might not have the best skill set because i was never examined you know like by a person saying like okay now you're good enough to do this treatment right it's it's as a medical practitioner your own responsibility yeah to share this with your colleagues you go to like conferences to to take courses on a regular basis yeah, uh, and you have other people as well assess your work to take pictures pre and post treatment, etc. Yeah, yeah, and and I think there are many people out there that that are not doing that. Yeah, and therefore the client suffers from that obviously because mm-hmm. they don't know if yeah. it can be better, for instance. And in this case, I had a person who had too much of the upper lip, so the upper lip was much bigger than the lower lip which yeah. looked very unnatural yeah, yeah um so that was one that we um that we dissolved and then another one had a few lumps in uh, the upper lip which yeah. can happen if the filler is placed too superficial or yeah it just the body is rejecting it in, in a way yeah so those were those cases are examples of fillers that can be dissolved and then later yeah, that's uh, up again. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So obviously now that we are going through a global pandemic, what have you been up to since <laughs> uh, you know COVID started? I know you said that you haven't been able to practice in your clinic, which is completely normal. That's basically good practice that you're not yeah. running your clinic at the moment. Yeah, so I mean, unfortunately, I mean, this is obviously not the worst that can happen that I'm not treating patients. COVID-19 has caused horrible things in the world. Yeah. But yeah, it, it has caused me to completely stop with any treatments at the moment and yeah. ready for a few months. Mm-hmm. And my clients are not really enjoying it because they feel like it's been too long since they had their last treatment. Yeah. So hopefully soon I can restart again. In the meantime, I've been sending out like private messages to yeah. my clients to say that, you know, like once we can... We will and yeah. uh, just advising them on skincare and other things that they might be able to do themselves in the meantime to, to yeah. still try and maintain what we had achieved. 
Yeah, that's really good that you're engaging with your clients still. And what are some of the precautions that you will be putting in place when you reopen your clinic? Yeah, so I mean, it's how it will look like exactly at the moment. I think is still unsure. Yeah. yeah. But once I'll start running the clinics again, uh, of course, I will take in any uh, precautions that are advised from a governmental point of view. Yeah. I think for sure, a face mask will take a main role in, in protecting both myself and clients. Yeah. And then it really depends. Hopefully, we, we will know more in a few weeks from now. Looking at the hospital, looking at other clinics, I think uh, advisor people are using that. Yeah. They're using you know like other ways of protecting themselves. I'm not sure on, up to what level would be needed for aesthetic procedures because mm-hmm. yeah. there's no like aerosol. They're not aerosol. Done. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But you're so quite close different. to patients anyway. Like, exactly. Yeah, so you've got to yeah. kind of protect yourself and the patient too at the same time. Yeah. Like we sure. say, safety is yeah. important here at Safe App. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what sort of treatments do you provide in Face Finesse then? Or should we start yeah. with where exactly? So where is Face Finesse? So where do you practice? So, yeah, for sure. So I, I don't have one clinic. I practice both in London and as well in the Netherlands. So yeah. I have a clinic here and a clinic in the Netherlands. In London, I collaborate with with a hair salon yeah. where I have a, a really nice treatment room and a similar situation in the Netherlands. So yeah. I don't have one clinic, one location. I practice in several locations. Yeah. You know, it's a little interesting that you practice in both London and Netherlands. Is there a difference like in the way the regulations are in the industry? Or is there any difference in the way you have to practice? For sure. So in the Netherlands, to start off with, the aesthetic practitioner needs to be a doctor. Yeah. Um, really? And yeah. Yeah, (laughs) more restrictive than here. So like here, I know, you you know, you can be a nurse or a dentist or even, you know, non-healthcare background. Yeah. um, And like, like we were talking about the, in the UK, the problem with the poor regulations is that you have non-healthcare practitioners as well. So like people like beauticians and hairdressers that are also providing these treatments. So it's really interesting to note that somewhere else in Europe so close to us, the regulations are so much tighter that it's only a medical yeah. doctor that's allowed to perform these treatments. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very different. And I think it's a good thing, though. I mean, the Netherlands is quite strict on, on aesthetics in general, mm-hmm. and they're going to make it even more stricter, though, meaning that not just have to be a doctor, but also you have to work within the facial surgery field or dermatology so ah, that's really disease. interesting to know yes yeah. yeah what yeah. what made that change like why did they say stricter rules was it because there was a lot of complications or or was it more from like a top-down approach um say for example like the mm-hmm. government is implementing it i think i think there are there are several reasons i think it's kind of keeping the aesthetics within world i would say yeah. But I think, yeah, I think also from a governmental point of view, from a safety point of view, I guess there are, there are lots of complication clinics and perhaps this would reduce those numbers. That's really um, good because it's something that definitely in the UK we can learn from. So the other thing about the safety that we wanted to talk about is that in the UK, you can very easily buy things like fillers and products like that over the internet because of the extremely mm. poor regulation. What is that situation like in 
say Netherlands because I I know that in Netherlands facial fillers products like fillers are also counted as a medical device unlike in the US where they are they have to be FDA approved so what is mm. the situation of people buying products off the internet and injecting themselves in Netherlands so I think it's much different from here for instance here anyone can order fillers on the internet and then botulinum um, toxic A, it's something that needs to be prescribed. In the Netherlands, you can't just go online to whatever website and order your fillings. Those are all regulated products. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's it's a big it's a big difference. So would you? Um, so is it is it a case where like Amazon just blocks people from buying fillers on the internet in Netherlands? Because I know in the UK you can literally just go yeah. onto Amazon and buy fillers. Well, there's no Amazon in the Netherlands. So. Uh, you literally <laughs> learn something new every day. I did not know that Netherlands didn't have Amazon. We have our local uh, um, Amazon. Oh, right. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, hey, that's probably saving you guys like yeah. the, the headache of this. I know. Yeah. Um, coming, coming, coming back to face finesse, well, tell us a little yeah. bit more about the treatments that you are offering and also tell us like what is your favorite treatment? Yeah, if you have sure. one. So I offer all kind of, I would say like standard uh, anti-wrinkle treatment using botulinum toxic A, different types of dermal filler treatments, such as the lip fillers, also cheek fillers, tear throat, nasolabial folds, etc. Yeah. Then I have an additional treatment. It's a micro infusion treatment. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a superficial infusion with botulinum toxic A and also vitamins. Yeah. It's more for like a full facial uh, rejuvenation yeah and in addition uh, to the aesthetic treatments i also offer treatments against excessive armpit sweating yeah so in terms of my favorite uh, yeah. treatment it really depends per person of course but i love a cheek filler it's just i just think it's such an amazing treatment yeah um, i can see why for actually me, yeah it just refreshes the face yeah. so much it you know like just with a very mild addition of, of uh, volume of the cheeks i think the face can look so much more youthful and yeah and mm -hmm. healthier as well I and, agree. And lots of lots of my clients are, are really really happy with it and you give um, them a very subtle change it doesn't affect their looks dramatically where people are like oh you've had some work done yeah 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 it's just a bit more like freshness like if you just come like back from your workout or yeah or like from a day in the sun it's just a bit more plumpness in 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 the cheeks i really love it yeah and then the other thing that that i really enjoy doing yeah i think because it's technically a bit more challenging is is create a, a very nice natural lip mm -hmm. so i think the technique that i use allows for a somewhat thinner lip to be filled quite naturally and yes. for, for those that that wish for it and i i really enjoy that challenge because it's really easy to mess it up and do too much. Yeah. So okay. I really enjoy to kind of create that supernatural but fuller lip. So I think yeah. those two are my, my favorites. Yeah. That's the thing that I feel like it's it's really important to, to kind of tell the public about having natural and subtle looks because I feel like everyone thinks that medical aesthetics is plastic, it's superficial and a little bit vain. Yeah, there's a lot of stigma sure. associated with exactly. the medical aesthetic industry, which I feel like we want to improve and change that mindset that people have. Because, yeah, personally on my side, when because I have my own aesthetic treatment, like I had a chemical peel because of my acne and my scarring, but for me to actually admit that, I, I'm a little bit embarrassed because I feel like, you know, I'm being vain, superficial, 
because it's always got to be the insides that counts and your personality. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. there's this massive stigma surrounding the industry. Like everyone we talk to when we've actually started this business and how we want to help with the aesthetics, everyone says it's a bit superficial and vain, but they don't understand that it actually builds a little bit of confidence. Yeah, and also the big motivation to improve the safety in the industry. Yeah, what are your like perceptions on the stigma surrounding this industry? I think even like looking at my, you know, like social group, I think people have various opinions. I mean, the, all my friends, for instance, they support me in, in whatever I want to achieve in my life. But yeah, best uh, not kind all of friends. them would have, yeah, would, would, would choose the, the same approach that I, what, what I'm doing now. But I think by me being very open about it, yeah, it changes. So for instance, like I've had my own forehead done with Botulinum and Toxic A and then there are people like, why? Uh, yeah. And then I'm like, well, you know, I don't have any deep lines yet. I'm I'm in my end 20s, but yeah. I do believe that it can be used as, you know, like a great prevention for deep lines later on and, yeah. and just, you know, like keep on having a, a, a nice and bright skin. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, like the stigma that there is in the aesthetic world, it, you know, like stigma in general is apparent in, in any industries in some way. And that's true. I think for me, most importantly, is to not be influenced by it too much. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like I do notice that things are changing and people are, I think, becoming a bit more tolerant towards injectables. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also noticing that clients are more open about it in their social groups. And, yeah. And I think overall it's becoming more accepted by, by the general public. It's a bit comparable to like tattoos. Yeah. Which are nowadays quite accepted. Yeah. Yes. Um, what is your patient age group like? Oh, there's like a super large range. So I think the youngest I've treated was... 21 yeah and the oldest was 69 oh wow that's a yeah. very large yeah. range <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the whole range but i would say yeah. the majority so they're, they're like two groups i think so there's like the somewhat younger group 20 like i would say on average 24 or so they're more for like lip fillers yeah and then there's the group of 40 yeah and 30, beginning 40, that's more like cheek fillers, Botox, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, etc. So I think those are the two main groups, but there's a large variety. You'd be surprised how many men I treat, for instance, yeah, or like older people. And it's it just depends on what people want. Yeah, that's true. I seem to have more male clients as well, actually. I like how they call it Botox instead of Botox. Yeah, Botox. <laughs> so, I love it. With the men, is it mostly Botox that they'll be interested in? Or do they get interested in like fillers or any other so, treatments? Yeah, so mostly in my client base, it's been anti-wrinkle treatment for, for men. Okay. Um, I've had a few. So I've had one guy for a lip filler, which I think is the exception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I've had loads actually for cheek fillers. Yeah. Because, you know, like when men get older and women as well, but I think with men, it's maybe even more obvious that the, the fat and the bone, um, yeah. there's just loss of volume when, yeah. they, when they get older. And therefore, they look a bit, you know, like even more older because that volume has gone from their faces and just to provide them with the right place cheek filler, which yeah. is in a slightly different location than I would do in, in a female client. Yeah, yeah. Can really just, provide. It's so important um, to recognize the difference in anatomy between a male and a female and how the treatment should be tailored accordingly as well. 
for sure. Yeah. So if somebody comes to you of appropriate age and they were considering aesthetic treatments, what would you advise them? So, yeah, so usually I do like an introductory chat to see if this person already had had some treatments in the yeah. past and also just to chat about their concerns. And then based on that, I usually describe the options that I feel are appropriate. And then most importantly, I think is that the client can just have the time to think about it and also sometimes their concerns are not per se something that I can help them with. So yeah. for instance, I could advise them to have laser done or like a chemical peel or something that I feel more appropriate to do first before moving to, to injectables. Yeah. But yeah, and then if if the client is then happy to proceed, then usually I try to kind of create an aesthetic journey as I call it. So yeah. it's it's like if they want to have if they have multiple concerns then I wouldn't perform all treatments in one go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would just kind of start with one thing and then review and then add on something just to see as well which treatment causes which effect and also what they're happy with and what might uh, need some more improvement over time. Yeah, that's great. And do you have like a follow-up process? Like, so how would you follow up your patients? Would that be right after? Yeah, sure. So after treatment, I always send them an email with the aftercare instructions um, with, uh, of course, with my, um, with my details and everything. Then always two weeks later, I send them an email or a message depending on the connection with them. Mm-hmm. Um, to ask how things are going and, I, and then I ask them to send me a picture of whatever region was treated yep. uh, and then I send them back a comparison of pre and post so that they can see the effects again because people tend to forget how they look like before it's, it's a very uh, strange yeah, you very quickly <laughs> get used to the, the new look yeah. and you're like oh I like this but I can't remember yeah. how I used to look like yeah or like, oh no, but the wrinkles they're not they're not as uh, as much gone as I'd hoped for. And then you know you send them the picture and it's like, really was it like this before? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so that's yeah. so important to have a before and after photo just Photographs. so you can yeah. keep an eye on what the treatment journey has been like. I am not sure if it's because you're a medical professional that you have this kind of process because I'm not so sure if anyone without the medical background that they would actually treat the patient holistically. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think I think it's. I mean, it works for me. You know, for other people, something else might work. Mm-hmm. But I guess I like to be quite close to my clients in in that way. Yeah. And make sure that they're satisfied. And if not, to see if there's something I can do to uh, to improve that. Yeah, that's really good practice. So coming back to how we first got to know you. So that was we're talking a few months ago now when we first approached you from Safe Apps point of view to invite you onto our platform to be one of our practitioners. Tell us what are some of your thoughts about how you think SafeApp is able to help you with your aesthetic journey as a practitioner? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it has been uh, it has been a few months now. So first of all, I think what you're achieving with SafeApp is great. It's brilliant. I think safety is so oh, important thank you. and also with with you know the the platform that you're providing to yeah. to help a practitioner as well mm-hmm. i think is is great because as we were mentioning before it's not always easy to to build up a client base and and also to keep that client base and i think with you know like the joint forces yeah i think that could help me as a practitioner but most importantly also for the client for them to be able to choose a practitioner that fits their 
wishes yeah and and i think that really depends on what they want i might not perform a, a treatment for a specific client whilst another person would do or they're more experienced in in another treatment than i am and based on like kind of a review based yeah. platform yeah i think that's that's really that's a, that's the way to go yeah exactly so, i think it's recognizing that not all practitioners will be providing the same treatment and so we provide client selection of practitioners yep Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. So I, I really enjoyed doing this with you guys. And uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to, uh, to lockdown being released and uh, that we can all go back to, to work and I can make use of your platform. And, yeah, um, us too. Yeah. yeah, we can't wait to welcome you onto the platform officially as our practitioner so that we can start working together and we can start marketing your services to the general public. So guys, we're coming to the end of our podcast. Thank you very much for Dr. Lara Bande for joining us today. Yep. Just a quick recap on the SafeApp platform. It's a marketplace to connect clients of medical aesthetic treatments to qualified healthcare professionals such as Dr. Lara today. So in our next session, we will be inviting one of our friends to come speak to us about her experience of medical aesthetic treatment. So stay tuned. If you have any ideas of what you would like us to discuss in our next session, please leave a comment for us. If you like what you hear, remember to like and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and also on Apple Podcast. So you can follow us on our Instagram and our facebook page our instagram handle is the underscore safe app and our facebook page is the safe aesthetic practitioner stay safe everyone bye, <laughs> bye.